Hello and welcome to another edition of Senior Smarts here on Classic Hits, K-Wayne 106. Action Jack Wobble with you. Senior Smarts is brought to you by St. Crispin Living Community in Red Wing with our full continuum of care, including our renowned short-term rehab services. Can't wait to really dive into this topic once again as we uh, talk about something that's important to all of us. And Debbie Bradley, my show co-host, and Dr. Eric is going to talk more about it as well. Take it away, Debbie. I can't wait to resume kind of our conversation on this topic. Thanks, Jack. Yeah, today we're going to be talking about sleep again. We're going to delve into that some more. But I want to let you know that Dr. Eric Trias is here to help us. And this is show number 10 on the five pillars. Just really good stuff to break down about being healthy. Dr. Eric Trias is reputable and everything he says is backed up by research. 39 years as a practicing physician. He's newly retired, a former clinic physician manager and also former professor of family practice. He is here free of charge, wanting to help as many people as possible. The five pillars are nutrition, exercise, sleep, stress management and relationships. These are the foundation to being healthy. They're cheap, they're effective, but the hard part is you have to do the work. These shows can be listened to again and again on the K-Wing Senior Senior Smarts podcast. So with that, we're going to break apart this whole talk about sleep and ask some questions. So welcome again, Dr. Eric Trias. Thank you, Debbie. I have had a good night's sleep, so I'm ready to talk. Excellent. Good. That's a good setup. (laughs) See, now I have not. So this is going to be very interesting. Okay, so tell us about your your setup here, Jack. Well, basically, the nature of my job sometimes calls for, especially this time of year, I'll work a a full day during the day. I might have a couple of hours off. And let's just say, for example, last night I climb on a bus. I do a uh, hockey game or a basketball game, and it finishes up, let's say, at 9 o'clock. We get on the bus. By the time we get back into town, all right, it's 1030. But yet I have to wake up at 430 to get into work. All right, and this happens maybe two to three times a week, if not more, especially depending on the time of year. My question is for Dr. Eric as well. This could also affect teachers who are also coaches. Sure. Yes, absolutely. The students, uh, obviously the student athletes. Yeah. So my ears are wide open. What do you have for me? So (laughs) help us. Help us, Dr. Eric. I have great uh, stuff for you, Jack. (laughs) Fix us. Uh, That's tough. I mean, we're all all called upon at different times, especially in our society, which is more push, 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 work, work, work. And it's uh, it's that's a very good question. How do you recoup that? The key is you don't do that every night. Then you're running into troubles. But a study was done that showed kind of what you had talked about. Even one night of sleep deprivation causes reduced glucose uptake in your brain, so you just don't have the energy and the power that your brain is supposed to have. So the next day you're foggy and little bit not with it. Now you can recoup that the next night and get back on track. But if you do it longer, like like this same study showed after one week, it actually changes your genes in how they show themselves, how they um, interact with your immunity as well as causing increased inflammation. So one week of just one week of sleep deprivation and there's many people in fact 10% of our population have chronic anxiety. So one week is nothing to those folks they go for months and maybe years without good sleep. And if that happens your immunity goes down and again things that we decided last time increasing cancer rates, increasing heart disease 
lots of different diseases, including Alzheimer's, depression, anxiety, all related to sleep deprivation. So yes, we need a good night's sleep, and I wish I had great answers for you. But a couple things. Number one, when you do get home from that long shift that you have, you don't want to eat anything. Um, and in fact, maybe what we should do is review last week's recommendations for treatment of a circadian rhythm disorder. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and of course, the first one I said, which Jack, you didn't have last night, which was go to bed and, and get up at the same time, get eight hours, which you didn't do. Um, but I, I kind of want to drill down that a little bit. Let's, let's say where you had the chance of getting eight hours of sleep. And so what does that last hour before going to bed look like? Well, the first 20 minutes should be like housekeeping. Make sure you you got everything in order uh, that you're doing today or you're getting ready for tomorrow because you don't want to be laying in bed thinking about all the things you should or should have done. Uh, uh, can I interrupt yeah. you right there? That is golden, what you're saying. Because so many times I know when I have a presentation or something the next morning, I have so much wasted time because I am reviewing that in my brain and what am I going to wear and, um, you know, did I make sure to put those things out and is it in my bag and is it ready sitting on my desk tomorrow? So like you said, just to make sure that everything is where it needs to be and even if you have to go to another place to set things up, write it down so you've got your notes so everything is ready and off your plate, so to speak, before before your head hits the bed. You, You really bring up a very good point. One strategy is it's called the parking lot. And this is where you get your pen and your paper out. And instead of at 10.30 or 11.30 when you're going to bed, you get it out at 7.30. You know, just take that 20 minutes and say, okay, I'm going to write it down. So you write everything down on paper so that you get two columns, issues and actions. The issue line, you just freeform whatever you would be thinking at 10.30 or 11.30. Oh, I got to do this or I got to do that. So you write all that down. Mm-hmm. And then you look over to the column that has actions. And you can say, what can I do about it? And you write that down. Not that you're going to do anything right then. You just write it down on paper sure. so that when you do go to bed yeah. and you're laying and instead of reminiscing of what you should or shouldn't do, mm-hmm. you say to yourself, I've already said that. It's already on paper. I did that earlier. I'm not going to think about it. It's covered. It's covered. And initially, that's tough because your mind always keeps going back. Right. But if you do it two and three days in a row, I tell you, it becomes a habit, and it really does help that chronicling of your of your scheduling, so to speak. And then what about in the middle of the night, like at two or three? I've done this before, too, where I wake up and think, oh, and that part I forgot, too. Rather than for me, I suppose, to try to say, okay, I'll think about in the morning, whatever, just go back to sleep. I know for me, it doesn't work. I have to physically get up, write it down, put it on my purse, and then I can go back to bed and say, it's covered. We're good. That's a good one because many, many people actually dream solutions to issues. Oh. And so when they wake up, they, oh, I got the solution. And my father did it. He was a contractor, did it all the time, woke up. He had a problem with, okay, how am I going to lift this bridge or whatever? And he'd wake up in the morning. He'd know how to do it. So, I mean, there's, there are things that do happen uh, okay. in the middle of the night, so to speak. Yeah. But in general, you should not try to intellectualize when you wake up. In fact, don't even look at your your clock. Don't even roll over and say, oh, what time is it? Because that stimulates your brain to climb out of stage one, which you're really kind of in a stage one sleep. You actually climb out of it to a wakefulness when you intellectualize something. Same with getting up and going to the restroom. 
you get up, you walk over, you, you, you do your business, you come back to bed, you've actually cognitively kind of brought yourself out of sleep as well as having a light on. You don't want a light on. Maybe you have a little footlight so you know you're not going to trip in anything, but you don't want to have bright lights because that's another one of the things we're going to talk about, and that's oh. the blue light. So you, you, you really, the minute you wake up, if you have to go to the restroom, say to yourself immediately, I'm going to go right back to sleep. I'm going to go right back to sleep. And you tell yourself that, and when you get back to sleep, you keep saying that, mm -hmm. which is another one of the things we mentioned last time, and that is, no alcohol within three hours of bed or even beverages in general because they will stimulate, you know, your kidneys to filter out and you'll have to go to the restroom. So you don't want to get up and go to the bathroom if at all possible. So that's why the three hours before bedtime, no, no, uh, no alcohol. Hmm. And I've just gotten into this rhythm lately where I have tea pretty much up until I go up to bed because it's so good, and I feel like it's settling me down, and this chamomile, and it's relaxing. But you're right, I do get up in the middle of the night. Right, then, so. right. Well, and, you know, we, I think a couple, of, a couple of episodes ago, we talked about beverages and how important things are, such as coffee and tea and whatnot. Um, and tea is great, but you're right, and chamomile and lavender, different things do help you go to sleep. However, if you did that maybe a little earlier uh, than right before bedtime, that might still help your sleep, and yet uh, not allow you to get up so okay another one we talked about last time is eating lots of people will have that evening snack the problem with that so let's say at nine o'clock you have an evening snack well if you eat you stimulate the release of insulin and Ins insulin's job is to put that into storage and the problem with that is that insulin inhibits melatonin release so that here you are you're stimulating the insulin but you're you're inhibiting your melatonin. The other problem, too, with eating before bedtime is we do need a fasting state. Fasting helps improve. It helps, uh, it helps regulate our hormones, and fasting through the night is, we were made to do that. That's part of our circadian rhythm. If we don't fast, we increase our cravings, which means we'll eat more carbohydrates the next day, which means we're going to gain weight, we'll get less exercise. It's just, a, it's just one thing after another, so do not eat you, know, you, you want to go at least 12 hours, if not 14 hours of fasting. So eat at 7 at night and don't have breakfast until 7 or 9 the next morning. I like that you said that. I, I mean, even if it's just for me, I but I think other people might be able to benefit from this too, is the whole idea that I think of is, okay, when I have supper and I walk away from the table, I should be satisfied. So if I want to eat later on, if we can tell ourselves, and here's the work part about this, you guys, is... I've already eaten. So if you can tell yourself, you're not being mean to yourself or anything, and you're not depriving yourself, but the fact is, you've already eaten. You're done for the day. So that's the part that you can look at. And the fact of the matter is, I think there are very, very few people, at least in the United States, that have to gain weight, you know? So that's just a really po a real positive there is to say, okay, I'm not going to gain more weight if I don't have more calories in my body. Plus, I'm helping those hormones shift around in the ways that they should to help me get the good night's sleep to repair the damage that I did to today for today. And so I keep my DNA moving forward in a healthy way and all that stuff. So, does that make sense? Is that right? That's you very well put. That's okay. that's exactly what happens. So you're right. We we don't need that nine o'clock snack for nutrition. It's a habit. 
and it's part of our this psyche that happens. And so you just, unfortunately, at the beginning, you just have to tell yourself, I just am not going to snack. I'm not going to have the wine or whatever your beverage is, and I'm not going to eat. You just kind of bear with it, and it will change. Within a few days to a week or two, that habit's going to be gone of eating at, at nighttime. Right. I think probably that some of that, too, is our culture is we're so used to looking at a screen and eating or doing something and eating and going to an event and eating. I mean, we all we have eating accompany us on so many different yeah. things that we do. So if we can pull back and be grown up about this, you know, and say, okay, I can make these decisions for myself. I've already eaten. I don't need to eat anymore past this time. And like you said, just that whole readjustment time of the fasting to say, I'm done now. And now I'm not going to eat again until breakfast, which is at such and such. And you know what? If you need to, in your head, give yourself a pity party and say, oh, poor me, I can't eat while I'm watching my favorite show, or oh, I'm so brave, or I'm a hero, whatever. Believe it. It's great. Good. Do whatever you need to do in your own brain to tell yourself, this is really important. I need to stick to this. And yep, I'm a champion because I can do this, because sooner or later, It'll just become a part of what you do. Exactly. You'll you'll reestablish a new habit. And it's a con job. You know, it's not, you can't tell yourself you're depriving yourself. You, you tell yourself, I'm gaining health. I know it sounds hokey, but you just keep telling yourself that and it actually follows through. Absolutely. Well, another great show. Again, we're going to do another one on sleep and because uh, there's just so much to talk about. Um in the future. So with that, St. Crispin Living Community is changing, aging, and Red Wing. All right. Excellent stuff there. And I certainly uh, was able to gain a lot of information on that. And so hopefully I can put some of that into motion, folks. Hopefully you can as well. Senior Smarts here on Classic Hits, K-Wayne 106, brought to you by St. Crispin Living Community in Red Wing with our full continuum of care, including our renowned short-term rehab services. Shows podcastable. Just go to the tab on our kwng.com website. We'll see you next week for another edition of Senior Smarts.